Morning. This scripture reading is from John 20, verse 19 through 23. On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together, with the doors locked for the fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with this, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. This is the word of the Lord. Let's be to God. Would you pray with me again? Lord, thank you for this word. And um, we ask you now to help us pay attention to what you say and pay attention to what you want to do in us today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to tell you today about two life-changing gifts that Jesus gives us that are brought to us by the power of the Holy Spirit. We can't get them any other way except through the Holy Spirit. I was talking with my cousin Adam this week who lives in southern Vermont where he's part of a church and based on some conversations he's had with his church, he told me this, I think people don't know what to do with the Holy Spirit. We know how to relate to God as a father We know Jesus died for us. He's our Savior. But when it comes to the Spirit, people basically think they can live without Him. That's what my cousin said. And I totally agree. Maybe we're afraid of supernatural things that we can't understand. Maybe we like to be in control. Maybe we just don't understand what the Holy Spirit does and who He is. And so we feel sort of cut off. But today is a good day to correct that. Why? Because today is called Pentecost Sunday. If you're from uh, another church tradition maybe that follows the church calendar all year long, 50 days after Easter is the day of Pentecost, the day that is told in Acts chapter 2 when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit on all of the disciples that were gathered in Jerusalem. Remember, they were together waiting for this to happen, and then they they were upstairs in a room, and they heard the sound of a mighty wind blowing inside. And then they saw little flames alight on top of each of the disciples. And then these people began speaking in other languages, so that everyone there in Jerusalem could hear in their own native tongue the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's called Pentecost Sunday. And today, millions of Christians around the world are hearing sermons from or are reading the passage that Andrew just read or other passages about the Holy Spirit. Um, Now, often you you read about things like in Acts chapter 2 when You see these guys speaking in languages they haven't learned, and we feel kind of freaked out. (laughs) I I know a guy, true story, who had an experience like this once when he was in Iraq for the military. 
he was talking to one of the locals about Jesus and suddenly he realized he was speaking Arabic and he had not learned how to speak Arabic, right? The Holy Spirit is real. But most of us, most of the time, experience the Holy Spirit in a quieter, less dramatic way, yet still very important. His job is behind the scenes, unseen, to shine a spotlight on Jesus. In fact, the Holy Spirit is the personal presence of Jesus with us. So he speaks to us with Jesus' voice. He shares Jesus' love with us. He helps interpret Jesus' words to us. Anything we know about Jesus personally, we get through the Holy Spirit. And so here, there's so many things we could talk about that the Holy Spirit does for us, but here in this passage, I want to show you two life-changing gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us, that Jesus gives us through the Holy Spirit. Let's read John 20, 19 and 20 for the first one to see what that is. On the evening of that first day of the week, this is the day, by the way, that Jesus rose from the dead. This is Easter Sunday. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. The first gift that the Holy Spirit brings us is peace. Peace. So let's set the stage here. The disciples are, are afraid. They're locked in a room. Why are the doors locked? Because they're afraid that the, the, the leaders who arrested Jesus and had Jesus crucified are now coming after them. A couple days ago, they saw their leader, their, their rabbi, their master, uh, tortured and executed, and nothing happened to, to stop that, and now, what's going to be next? They're coming after us. These guys are afraid. They are locked, and so they've locked themselves into a room. The doors used to have big, big metal bars that would go across the jam and the door between two iron rings, and they have locked themselves in that room out of fear. I just have to mention this because the timing is uncanny. This morning, I was in my office, and Chloe runs in the door out of breath and says, Dad, we need your help. Chloe and Asher locked themselves in their room. Asher and Ewan locked themselves in their room. <laughs> and sure enough, they had somehow wedged the door shut accidentally. Uh, Meg couldn't get it open. Asher had taken the doorknob off with the screwdriver from the inside. They still couldn't get it open. And so thankfully, I was able to, to open the door. <laughs> Dad saved the day, right. But in this case... What's cool is that Jesus somehow gets into the room without opening the door. He appears among them, and what does he say? Does he scold them for being afraid? Does he say, you guys, I can't believe it. You all abandoned me. He says, peace be with you. 
peace be with you. And in case they thought he might just be saying that out of a customary greeting, he says it again in verse 21 or 22. Peace be with you. I think these guys were also pretty ashamed. Not only were they afraid, they were ashamed that they had abandoned Jesus. They had given up on him. They thought it was all over. But Jesus comes, not with a scolding finger. He says, peace be with you. Everything is going to be okay is another way of saying what Jesus said. Everything's going to be okay. And now, um, what does he do? After he had said this, verse 20, he showed them his hands and his side. Why would he show them his hands and his side? What's on his hands and side? Scars. Scars. And so he's not just saying, look, it's really me. I'm the one who was crucified. But he's saying this, I have the credentials to say, peace be with you. Because evil did the worst it could do to me. And I came back from the dead. I am alive forever. I died for you, and now I live for you. Only Jesus can say that. And if he says that, if he says everything's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. Peace be with you. This is the gift the Holy Spirit gives us, the peace of Christ. And the disciples were overjoyed, just as Jesus had said in John 16 earlier. He said, your grief will turn to joy. And now it's happening. And Jesus can say, everything will be okay. Um, Tim Keller, this, the pastor who, who died on May 19th, who was uh, just an amazing man of God who influenced so many people. I saw an interview of him last week. Um, and the interviewer w was asking, like, first of all, you have been diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, right? The, the prognosis was very bleak. Secondly, um, Tim Keller has written a lot about the decline of the American church and how sort of the old mainline traditions are really just falling apart before our eyes. And what needs to happen for the church in America to be renewed? And so the interviewer said, Do you, are you concerned for the future of the church? And so this man who's about to die of cancer, who's concerned for the church, says, You know what? <laughs> if Jesus really died and really rose again, Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. We can trust him. We can have peace. That's the kind of mindset, that's the attitude, that's the gift that Jesus gives us, is peace. I don't know what you are currently afraid of. I don't know what you are currently ashamed of. But whatever it is, Jesus comes into that locked room in your life and says, Peace be with you. It's going to be okay. I have the scars to prove it. It's going to be okay. How does Jesus do that for us? Because we can't see him physically like the disciples did. The Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit. 
whenever there's that, that voice that speaks to you and says, you know what, I, life is crazy, there's so many things to fear, but it's going to be okay. That's the Holy Spirit. If you, um, you know, if you hear a voice that's like, that's like a scolding voice, or I can't believe you did that, or you're, you're such a failure, that's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's job is to draw your eyes to Jesus and to the wounds of Jesus, the one who died for you, who loves you, and who came back from the dead to say it's going to be okay. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So, what a gift. How would we live without this gift? We would be overwhelmed with fear, with anxiety, with shame. But Jesus comes to us through the Holy Spirit and speaks peace. A few nights ago, I was talking with Meg about just a, a, a vexing problem we're facing. And she told me that in prayer, she had sensed the Lord say, you need to hope in me. Don't put your hope in other people. Don't put your hope in things. Put your hope in me. And then Meg said, whatever happens, God is in control. It's going to be okay. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And whenever you have a moment like that, and I hope there are many, it's the Holy Spirit. It's the voice of Jesus. Well, not only does Jesus bring peace, but importantly, he gives them another gift, and that's the gift of purpose. Purpose. Verses 21 and 22 say this. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. I like to imagine Jesus walking around that room and putting his hands on each person's shoulders and just kind of exhaling as he speaks this, receive the Holy Spirit. Kind of like how God breathed life into Adam in Genesis 2 and, and made him alive. And now Jesus is making these men alive, uh, spiritually alive, giving them new life and new power to do what he's calling them to do. Now the full actual outpouring of the Spirit comes on Pentecost 50 days after this, but this is a symbolic um, uh, reminder to them and command to receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? So look, look at what he says. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is the purpose that I'm talking about. Think about why and how the Father sent Jesus into the world. He sent him to teach he sent him to show love to people. He sent him to preach the good news. But most of all, he sent him to forgive sins, right? To die on the cross for our sins. Does this mean that Jesus is sending us to die on a cross for other people's sins? No. <laughs> it means that Jesus is including us in this grand mission of God to reconcile the world to himself. 
And then he goes on to say in verse 23, If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Reading this all by itself, if this is the only verse we had about Christian ministry, we might think that we actually have the power to forgive someone's sins. But we know from the rest of Scripture that what Jesus is actually saying is you have the authority, my authority, to declare that sins can be forgiven. Any sins can be forgiven when people trust in me. Repent and believe the gospel and trust in me. That is an amazing privilege and purpose to have, to walk around declaring to people, your sins can be forgiven. You know, um, debt is a huge problem in our country and for many people. We have mortgages, we have auto loans, we have credit card debt, we have student loans, we have personal loans. Some people are just really shackled with debt. Imagine if you had authorization from all the banks and lending institutions to walk around and say, look, would you like all of those loans to be completely forgiven? <laughs> right? You'd, ha you'd make some he people pretty happy. Who wouldn't want that? What we have is so much greater than that. We can say, Jesus died to forgive, to cancel, to wipe out all of your sin. You don't have to be indebted to God anymore. You don't have to be enslaved to sin anymore. You can be forgiven, set free, made new. That is the essence of the Christian message that we share with the world. You can be forgiven. I mean, sin is... Sin is really the root of all problems around us in the world. It's sin. It's separation from God. It's rebellion against God. And so Jesus solved that problem, and now we have the grand mission and purpose of helping others understand that. There's no purpose higher than being on mission for God in this world. There just isn't, right? This is what we'll be celebrating for eternity is the way Jesus reconciled people back to God. And we get to be a part of that mission. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is amazing. A pastor named uh, Brian Wilkerson shared this story that I want to read to you. He said, a year ago, I was out in Colorado and went for a run in some parkland along the South Platte River. It was a beautiful day, and my run got off to a great start. I was keeping an eye on my watch to see how the altitude was affecting my pace, but I was also enjoying the scenery, the winding river, the wildlife, and the snow-covered Rockies on the horizon. As I came around the bend... I noticed a couple of women standing beside the trail handing out flyers. I wasn't about to break my stride or concentration, but as I ran past, they, they put a flyer in front of me, and I couldn't help but take it. I gave it a quick look as I ran. It had a picture of a young man and a few sentences explaining that he was lost. He'd gone out for a run the night before and hadn't come back. Troubled, I turned around and ran back to the women and asked them a bit more. 
They explained that he had suffered a brain injury and sometimes got disoriented. I assured them I would keep my eyes open. With that, I got back to my run, but suddenly everything felt different. I wasn't admiring the scenery and watching for wildlife anymore. My eyes, my eyes were scanning the riverbank, looking for signs of a lost young man. My pace didn't matter anymore as I stopped more than a few times to check a stand of brush or river grass. And I wasn't just out for a run anymore. I was on mission. Someone was lost and needed to be found. Here's the truth. We are not just living life anymore, just going to work, just raising the kids, just going to church, just in retirement. We are on mission with Jesus in this world. And that is a great purpose to have, right? There's nothing bigger than that. I want to hear you, I, I mean, I want you to hear Jesus say to you now, I am sending you. Don, I am sending you. David, I am sending you. Sandy, I am sending you. Fill in your name. Jesus says, I am sending you. How would you live differently if you were sent by Jesus on this mission? What would you do? How would you live? What choices, what changes would you make? As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. This is a gift of purpose that the Holy Spirit gives us. Now, there are all kinds of substitute things that people put in that spot for their grand purpose in life. We all know that. For some people, it's their career, their money, their stuff, uh, achievement. But I think for most of us, the most common big thing that people live for in our community is family. Family is like the biggest thing, the thing we would give anything for, sacrifice anything for, um, drop everything for. That's like the, the biggest purpose in our lives. You actually hear people saying that explicitly, like family is everything. It's, there's nothing more important than family. And friends, I just, if, if that's you, if you search your hearts and know that family is really your biggest purpose in life, I want to lovingly ask you to repent and instead to have your biggest purpose be being on mission with Jesus. Family is a beautiful and wonderful part of that mission if you have family. But it can never substitute for the true purpose of living for Jesus, of being on mission for him. The world is desperate for the two things that I talked about today, peace and purpose, right? Everywhere you look, you see people 
desperate for peace, desperate for healing, desperate that things would be okay, grasping for some sense that things are going to be okay. And you also see people just like wondering, what's, what's the meaning of it all? What should I live for? Isn't there something bigger going on here? And Jesus gives us those two things in spades, peace and purpose. He comes with his peace to break our shame and our fear and to remind us it's going to be okay. And then he sends us out into the world on mission with him. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for these wonderful gifts you've given us. Thank you that you have peace that is bigger and wider and deeper than all of our fears, all of our shame, all of our anxiety, all of our brokenness. We invite you in now to minister that peace to us. And we thank you for the purpose we have in following you and ask, Lord, that by the power of your Spirit we would be true to that mission, that if we need to course correct or get back on track or change the way we do things or even just uh, wake up to this mission, that you would help us do that. We want to be faithful to you. We know that nothing else can substitute for the, the mission of God. And so we joyfully say yes to you now. In Jesus' name, amen.